The Koi Gig Pod. There's no way Arsenal would let her go. It's all kind of mind games going on, which is a lot of fun. Picked up more attention than any other actual transfer. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette. Start your day in flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. Now you're very welcome along. So Brian O'Driscoll is with us this evening. We'll talk about the weekend just gone. Ireland, France, of course, looming very large in our thinking. That is on the way after eight o'clock. Premier League case against Manchester City. Very real, very serious. Nick Harris has been on this case in a big way for years. He will explain just how grave this is likely to be for Man City. And then a football show, Dan McDonald along. A city on the pitch in a strange place. Leeds ditch Jesse Marsh. Sean Dyche is the Everton Messiah. Liverpool in full-on implosion mode and more besides. 53106, the text number. We are at off the ball on Twitter. Mick McCarthy. Oh, I can contain my excitement no longer. <laughs> this is your intro there going on forever. Welcome back. Yeah. Welcome back and congratulations. Nice to be back in the bosom of off the ball, I have to say. Is it really? Um, bit of normality to your day. Yeah, a bit like, of structure. Yeah, bit of structure, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Come here, the big question though is, how has your uh, middle of the night American sports watching been going on? Have you caught up in any NBA? Baseball, off, yeah. nothing, no. no. I, did, I did anticipate that. I yeah. That would be one of the nice things. I'll see the Super Bowl in full for the first time yeah. live in quite a few Load years. of nonsense. Turns out you just get your sleep where you can get it. There is that. And, and what they don't tell you is you're like, you're doing stuff. You're not just up... <laughs> with nothing to do at those yeah. times of the night. Yeah, if she was full. asleep, so would I be. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So no, that hasn't taken off yet. But um, no, it won't all is well. All I is didn't well. watch the Super Bowl actually after our first was born. A very similar time. Uh, fell asleep like after middle of the first quarter. Yeah, it was sort of on in the background for my entire night. So I would, I would, I would question your ability to do that or watch any sport ever again. Well, there is that uh, magical time and all that. If you would tell me in advance, I would ever function in this little sleep. Mm. I would have said and I'm, I was always I slept a lot like I was a well rested man for the first <laughs> <laughs> 36 years of my life uh, I would have said no chance but it's, it's funny you, two three hours you're, I'm like Margaret Thatcher here I was about to I was about to in, invoke <laughs> the Iron Lady there actually yeah yeah but um, yeah didn't work out too well for her at the end I suppose but I uh, do say it does hasten the road to yeah uh, now, Joe, it's only going to be for a few, uh, a month or two, don't worry. <laughs> That's what everyone says, and then they're like, yeah, right. <laughs> Richie you, McCormick. You eventually bo- bo- boost it up to about four and a half, five, don't you, Richie? Imagine. Uh, you, you can do uh, at a stretch, yeah. I, what's, what's all this? I presumed that you were just off, like, taking a period of, of self reflection and mourning after the whole Sunday game thing. What's what's all this lack of sleep? Have they announced you know, the Sunday talk game? Going on? <laughs> Did you actually miss that? You were- Who is it? Joe Malone no, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's Jackie, Jackie Hurley on Sundays and uh, mm. Damien Lawler on Saturdays oh is that right yeah. oh very good yeah. Jackie doing the rugby and the GA she is yeah wow congrats yeah. amazing that's yeah. uh, that is uh, very tasty yeah yeah. yeah. On, on, on the watching the sports game, so. yeah. on the watching sports with the little ones though I was literally reminded the other day as we were kind of going through all photos of watching the 2011 Rugby World Cup when the eldest was like really tiny and do you remember that game against Australia where like we blew them out of the water, it was one of the best Irish rugby world cup yeah, performances yeah. of all time. Though I've never cheered so passionately yet silently at tries during the course of that game because the lad was asleep yeah. and nobody wanted to wake them up at the time. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's funny. So, someone, and it's very department had a child born on that very day. Yeah, actually, 
Now that you've jumped. It was Jerry Gilroy. <laughs> I presume it's not private. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I, just, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, so I was like, why would we not say it? Yeah. Uh, let's push on. No more talk of uh, offspring here. Let's talk Manchester City. Uh, they, um, in much the same way that Liz Truss will say, I'm glad you've asked me that question. Uh, <laughs> Manchester Who? City, their statements. Yeah. Uh, their statement said the club welcomes the review of this matter by an independent commission. We look forward to this matter being put to rest once and for all, is the Manchester City view on things. So, Richie, it's your top story. This is genuinely, well, I know there is a, a healthy degree of justified cynicism out there that this will come to nothing and that the lawyers will charge lots of money and over a long period of time water this thing right down. But there is another school of thought that this is genuinely more serious and has real teeth. Yeah, uh, sadly, the left-wing economic establishment not responsible for this one, but some of Manchester City's fellow Premier League clubs want them to be relegated if found guilty of breaking financial rules. City have been charged with 101 breaches of Premier League re regulations over a period of nine seasons. The reigning Premier League champions deny all charges, which could see them stripped of their recent titles. Their fellow clubs reportedly want a swift resolution to the entire process. There's been a lot of smoke around Manchester City for some time. UEFA did ban them for two years. You can't forget that. Yeah. Ban them for two years. And even though it's a an oversimplification to say that it was just down to statute of limitations, it was largely down to statute of limitations. There was That's a five-year... went into it in any more yeah. detail. I thought there was other charges that were dismissed as well. There were. Yeah. But in the main, it was, well, you've missed your five-year window, so UEFA, that was very foolish on your part. And so the charges were... Um, Dismissed. Whereas in the case of Premier League, there is no statute of limitations. Yeah, I agree with you. I do find the the spin from City quite amusing. On like you know, it's like the the statute, the, the you know, the statute of limitations was exactly what we didn't want in the CAS yeah. thing. You know, we want to go and prove our innocence. We never got that chance before. We will this time. Yeah. So we welcome a vigorous look at our finances. Uh, I suppose the other side of it is I, I me and Richie spoke about this yesterday, but I am I'm I, I remain so cynical as to anything of note happening here in the end. And maybe it was because of the UEFA process mm. or maybe it's because you just Rangers relegated, you know, to oblivion, but that's because they had nothing left. They were gone. That was the reason for it. Yeah. Manchester City have all the resources in the world and will fight this obviously to nail. And like, you know, you obviously have to take what they say at a pinch of salt, but I do believe maybe to a certain extent at least that whatever this throws up, I actually kind of think that they think they did nothing wrong. You know, whether they did or not, we'll see. Mm. And whether I'm being naive, I don't know. But I just have this feeling that they are, that they feel like they can do what they want and therefore what they want is right. Mm. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not explaining myself properly. But. No, I think they would view what they've done allegedly maybe as just the uh, cut and thrust of smart finance. Yeah. Uh, Pep Guardiola in an interesting position yeah. So back in May of 2022 is the most clear-cut quote of his you can see on all this. He was asked about the UEFA ban and that period which had been uh, bubbling away for those few years. And what he said about the situation at the club was, uh, they, as in the hierarchy of the club, they explained things to me, I believe them. I said to them, if you lie to me, then the day after, I'm not here. I'll be out and I will not be your friend anymore. <laughs> this is second language. I put my faith in you because I believe you 100% from day one and I defend the club because of that. So that's Pep on record the, the, May the, last the, in year. Fairness, in fairness, there's a lot of caveats to that. Whereas, they, like as Mick mentioned, they are 
their their financial backing and how they are funded is so huge and so wide ranging that in essence they can create their own realities financially to explain away the charges that have been put before them here. So you can put up as many partitions in a room as you want. It's still the one room. Whereas in, in essence, they'll say that Abu Dhabi are funding all this or are not funding all this. Whereas you can probably trace it and say they are like, look at the different sponsorships that they have and commercial deals that they have and who they're tied in with. And they'll just try and explain away their different entities. Whereas Pe- and Pep will just say, well, that's what they told me. I believe them. Mm. And they believe their own reality. I, in turn, have to believe what they interpret as their reality uh, without wanting to get no, too metaphysical on it. And it's, it's, and, it's, and it's just messy. It's just really, it's really messy. Pep, Pep, Pep could definitely come out afterwards and say, well, I've been assured mm. that we've been screwed by the Premier League and we stand yeah. by everything and it's us against the world. I think um, the most egregious aspect looks to be the systemic line. So financial fair play... I mean, look, we understand. Everybody does a little bit of here and a little bit of there. And if you opened up everyone's books, what would you find if you dug deep enough? Who knows? But I think it's the fact that the Premier League have moved on this. It is a big accusation. You can't just put this out there and then it, nothing comes of it and, and we just go back to normal. Like, one way or another, this is going to be seismic. But that they are saying, you have lied to us for 10 years. Yeah. Year in, year out. Deliberately. That's the big one. That's the one that is bringing in talk of expulsion from the league, yeah. relegation. Uh, I've seen varying legal advice in the Athletic. They had one lawyer who said, oh, well, this does mean if they're found guilty, they could go back and be stripped of titles. Mm. Another lawyer said, that definitely can't happen. That's not in the rule book. So again, there'll be lots of legal advice floating around. But it's the, it's the line for 10 years, which, if proven, is going to cause, like I said, the more serious end of the punishments. But, Honestly, but if, the, if they just get fined at the end of all this... See, that's my fear. <laughs> I think it's like, you know... A, yeah. Fun, the, the, yeah line, the other the, way, I fines think, are always really funny compared to what, like, clubs spend on players. Like, it'll be like 15,000 or something. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, lying, the lying for 10 years, though, is tied into the fact that they have to be found to have, you know, conducted financial improprieties here. And my fear is, is that there's 101 charges here. And they could go down through each of the seasons and find that they've possibly broken some, but not others. Mm. And that they'll end up at the like lesser end of the scale and that there'll be, you know, kind of really nominal punishments handed out as opposed to what everybody thinks will happen, which will be relegation and cast down to the seventh circle of hell and all that kind of stuff. I yeah. just, I'm, I'm so cynical by what modern football has done that I just cannot see that happening on any level and that it will just end up being fine, wrap on the knuckles. Yeah. Now, lads, make sure you don't do this again yeah. and we'll see the same again with Newcastle and Saudi in five years' time. Well, Nick Harris is a man who has been... Yeah all over this for years he'll have a really good sense of where it could go so Nick will explain all around half past seven the chaos uh, the, the the part of me that likes that has always been a good man for like the lists and who won what when and all of that doesn't want them stripped of titles no right or wrong attached to it I just think that it would cause mad chaos and too many asterisks in history yeah and come on Brendan Rogers Premier League winner Mick we all want it and, like and Rogers oh. would insist on a podium presentation. <laughs> yeah, back in the Liverpool. Let's go back to Anfield and do this properly. <laughs> so you'd have three Liverpool titles. I think two Manchester United. Manchester United will have uh, will have um, sacked uh, two Premier League winning managers. That's the oddest thing that you saw Mourinho and Solskjaer with Premier yeah. League titles. Yeah, no. and I think three Liverpool titles. I think, yeah. and then one of the other interesting questions, and again in the Athletic piece I read, there was contrasting legal advice. So I mean, I mean what's new? But. Yeah. Could, for instance, if you finish second or in particular, if you finish fifth in a year, Man City were 
won the title or finished in top four, can you go back and sue their backsides for all that Champions League money you missed out on? Let's talk about that. Yeah, Martin Lipton was talking about that on OTBAM this morning and it's like uh, he was saying that, you know, maybe whoever finished fifth, which I think was Manchester United one of the years, uh, finished behind Manchester City and they could maybe sue them for the 20 million or the 40 million they would have got from getting into the Champions League. But what, who's to say that them not getting into the Champions League the following year or not you know, yeah. making signings based on their Champions League qualification would have put them into a... You know, there's almost no end as to how much yeah. money was cost or not by, uh, by these societies, yeah, if they are. I think um, it's important to stress, uh, dear listener, we're all very excited about this right now. Buckle up for the next three years of your lives because this is going to be a regular thing on the news round and we're going to get very bored of this. <laughs> if it is three years, like... You know, it, nothing will happen at the end of it. Big cloud That's to hang over think, things. But I, I would say they're looking at, I think, a few months here. Yeah, that's, right. That's what they're saying at the moment. But nope, if that can no extend chance. to double that rather no, than not three chance. years. Yeah, you know? can you imagine how many lawyers Man City will throw at this? Oh, yeah. We might get a gig at this rate. You know what I mean? Like, some objection. The guy they, the guy they have is in the house of Lord. There's a, I think he's a lord and he's going to be getting about 80 grand a day to look after this case. Wow. Um, that should go against their financial fair play. Or panic. <laughs> yeah, it should, should indeed, yeah. Because he's earning now more. 80 a day? Yeah. How can they pay him more than Kevin De Bruyne? <laughs> look, are they, are they paying him more than Kevin De Bruyne? This is more important than Kevin De Bruyne. 80 a day. What would you, what would be the ideal scenario here for fun? For like, If you're a neutral, you don't like or dislike Manchester City. League uh, 2. Oh, I think relegation, yeah. All the way down. Oh, not all the way down. No, just Ch- to the championship, championship one yeah. year. Akin to Saracens. And then, like Martin Lipton made the point this morning, that's three years out of the Champions League, assuming they don't win the Champions yeah. League because they don't obviously qualify. Then they do a year in the Championship, then they're back up. So, three years out of Champions League would be significant. I feel and, sorry now for Fulham or Norwich if it was their year to win the Championship, depending on which year it is. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so, Nick Harris will join us half past seven. He will explain all. He's a, a genuinely brilliant authority on all of this. Uh, Richie, next story kind of came out of nowhere. This this goes back yeah. to Cheltenham. Yeah, eleven months old essentially, but uh, he's going to be facing a disciplinary hearing tomorrow. That is the trainer Gordon Elliott, as one of his horses tested positive for a banned substance. Zana here tested positive for three hydroxylidocaine after a third place finish in last year's Cheltenham Champion Hurdle. If found guilty, the horse will be retrospectively disqualified from the race, which was won by Honeysuckle Sanwa, trained by Willie Mullins, will uh, gain to profit from that. Meanwhile, Honeysuckle will bow out of racing after next month's Mare's Hurdle at Cheltenham. The Henry de Bromhead trained horse saw a unbeaten record come to an end in the Hatton Grace at Ferry House in December. Honeysuckle was then second behind State Man in the Irish Champion Hurdle at Leopardstown over the weekend. Yeah, so this hearing is on tomorrow. We may very well do a piece on it tomorrow at the moment moment we'll uh, wait and see how that hearing goes plus there are more questions than answers reading various dispatches why it's taken 11 months isn't immediately clear um, it seems based on previous offences of this kind because the substance is a local anaesthetic it seems a fine generally is the punishment as opposed to any kind of ban for trainer again that's subject to the hearing tomorrow and that's as much really as we can deduce at the moment yeah, we yeah, don't know. Reading, yeah, sorry. sorry, Richard. Yeah, I was reading the, B, I was reading the BHA uh, press release about it earlier on, right. and essentially it just seems as if disqualification for the horse's placing, which I think was worth in around 30 grand uh, right. ish, uh, is, is going to be cost there, possibly I think around 28 to 35 grand, somewhere in that region. Um, so the placing is going to be, you know, gone, and, yeah. and the money associated with it is going to be gone. But it would seem that that might be the extent of it. 
Um, mm. So, but as I say, the, the hearings tomorrow we'll find out more about the end of that. Mm. Okay. Oshin Murphy, meanwhile. Yeah, the British Horse Racing Authority has cleared Ushi Murphy to return to action on Thursday week. Murphy has served a 14-month ban for a string of offences, including two failed breath tests, breaching COVID rules and misleading the BHA. In order to regain his licence, Murphy is required to remain sober and to avoid the use of drugs. Uh, Texting, the thing about having kids is that you can't figure out what you used to do with your time before you had them, says one texter. That's a common refrain I hear from people. 100% fantasise about what I would do with all the time but never used to do much either wasted it basically <laughs> uh, congratulations Joe a word of warning though my handicap uh, sorry the amount of people that tweeted me this <laughs> I obviously like <laughs> uh, my handicap went from 3.4 to 9.6 after my young fellow was born that's a shot a year this texter puts in brackets <laughs> only uh, going back the right way now he's interested in going to the range with me good luck I'm okay with that mm-hmm. it's a price I'm willing to pay uh, I, I, I put my golf clubs at the end of a bed in the spare room when we moved into the house in 2018, and there they stay. Yeah, I have. Uh, I'm I'm going for a trip that involves golf in April, and needless to say, I'm very scared. But no, it is not the master. That's Nathan <laughs> Murphy. We already discussed that on the show. Uh, who ha- he just happens to be going on holidays to Atlanta in April. Oh, that's right. He's on yeah. the search for tickets. Isn't yeah. he? <laughs> I don't happy. know. I don't know if he admitted that much. All right. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, look. These things happen, I suppose. It's a, it's a selfish sport. I mean, even getting five, six hours away. It's a long time. Best of times. It's hard to justify. It is. Uh, so the Irish women's team will get a glamour tie to uh, kick off the World Cup campaign. Yeah, to bid them farewell. In essence, the Republic of Ireland are going to play France in a farewell friendly before the Women's World Cup. Tallis Stadium will host the game on July 6th. That's exactly two weeks before Ireland's opening Group B encounter against the co-hosts Australia. FAI CEO Jonathan Hill says they explored the idea of playing the friendly at the Aviva Stadium, but that is unavailable due to surface maintenance. Okay. Uh, so that'll be their farewell. Actually, it's been a fair Aviva farewells. Mm-hmm. It's uh, creeping up on us. It's Johnny Sexton's competitive farewell just uh, a few weeks away at, in Dublin, which is a very sad thought. So we think. As in, yeah, you say one that more now. year. Yeah. Well, for Ireland anyway, because, like, you know, he still has. Yeah, for Ireland, you know. Yeah. If O2 got Brian O'Driscoll the blimp, mm. I mean, do we officially call on Vodafone to step up here? <laughs> you work away there. <laughs> a giant Johnny Sexton blimp. As Ireland win the Grand Slam against England. Yeah. Like a Johnny Sexton shaped blimp or a woman his name on it? I think the Adriscal one, I just didn't, it was a massive, it was about the size of a stand and from no memory. of this. Oh, do you not? No. Oh, like, oh, oh, Brian Driscoll's farewell on the pitch interviews uh, from that day against Italy, I think it was. Behind him, there's this massive, like, Michelin man blimp with a picture of Brian Driscoll just bobbing around the stadium aimlessly. Do you not remember this? Doesn't Did he get to keep it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> just in his backyard. <laughs> burst it and yeah. blocking out the neighbour's light. <laughs> Sorry, do you actually? Not, do you actually not remember this? Do you remember no, everything? Not at all. I don't remember it. I would have thought. I would have remembered the match and I remember the farewell and everything. Yeah, but I've no. See, I would have thought uh, for someone to remember something so trivial from such a long time ago that you'd be. be oh, I yeah. would completely agree with your uh, with your assessment. It'd be right up my street. It just I might have just missed it. You don't remember the blimp? Nothing no. on Google Images whatsoever. Uh, no, this doesn't no, bring too much of a This is a dream, Joe. There's no way I'm imagining that, surely. Is this a lack of sleep kind of catching up with you? Is this how it's manifesting? <laughs> it's, not, it's not the most exciting dream, is it? So, Olympics. 
Uh, yet the mayor of Paris says athletes from Russia and Belarus should be banned from next year's Olympics in the city, even as neutrals. And Hidalgo believes as long as the war rages in Ukraine, it will be wrong to parade as if nothing was happening. She's the latest dissenter to IOC plans to allow Russian and Belarusian athletes to compete as neutrals in Paris next year. Ukraine says it will consider a boycott if the IOC follows through with that plan, while others could follow suit. OK, we had uh, a couple of Irish players talking to the media today ahead of the French game. Yeah, James Lowe and Dave Kilcoyne uh, ahead of Ireland's game with France in the Six Nations. Tyke Furlong, Keen Healy and Jemison Gibson Park were all ruled out of that game yesterday. Kilcoyne was one of those to benefit from the Ireland injuries, promoted to a place on the bench against Wales due to Healy's absence and replacing Andrew Porter with six minutes remaining. The Munster prop had to undergo neck surgery in April of last year, which prematurely ended the season. Kilcoyne was asked if the nature of that injury, if he feared he'd never pull on an Ireland jersey again. I wasn't. I was hoping, yeah, but I believed, you know, I had massive belief in myself um, t- that I would get back in if I could get back fit. Um, it was the worst injury I ever had. Uh, the, I lost kind of power down my hand through uh, getting those dish shaved and it was uh, and unnerving at times, wondering whether the power ever came back. It was a couple of months with the great S&C and rehab coaches down in Munster and it just wasn't coming, wasn't coming and then all of a sudden it came and once I saw a bit of light, I went with it and just built myself back up and uh, worked away to try and get back in. So I'm feeling very fortunate to be in here. And I suppose you don't know the saying, you don't know what you have until it's gone, you know, really resonates with me now. You know, you, you're out of the environment um, through injury or selection or whatever. And then when you get a second crack at it to get back in, you want to take it with both hands and make sure you're in here as long as you can. Hey, oh, good on him. Dave Kilcoyne, uh, back in the mix. This is uh, the News Round, brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Joe Malloy, Michael McCarthy, Richie McCormick coming at you. So that was Kilcoyne. Lowe was there as well, Rich? Yeah, James Lowe says Ireland will need to greatly improve on their Cardiff display if they're to beat the reigning Grand Slam champions this weekend. France huffed and puffed to a five-point win over Italy and Rome on Sunday, where they have continued their preparations for this weekend's encounter. Lowe gave his assessment of that performance by France today. I know they, they would be disappointed with their performance against Italy away and credit to Italy, they fronted up physically. Um, that first half was very, very uh, messy, I think both sides would would say that. And then the second half was a proper test match and came down to a few moments that France ended up winning. It was a kick battle into um, Italy giving away a penalty, went to a mall, got around the corner and uh, Jalabert scored. So that there was a telling sign, but we know that a different French beast, the French that we know, is going to turn up, and we're we're prepping for that, and um, can't wait for the opportunity to test ourselves against you know the team that won the Grand Slam last year. There we are. Sorry, so I've been sent by the lads outside. Oh yeah, a picture of this so-called blimp. I don't think you know what a blimp is, first of all, or anybody else for that matter. But it it's was inflatable, though, wasn't it? But it was a big inflatable thing. Yeah, I don't remember it, but I, it is yeah, here is evidence that you are not hallucinating. Oh, yeah. It is uh, Brian Driscoll. Thank you, Brian, and a picture of him. It's not as big from, like, as the I remember. Before I think, yeah, as big as it's I pretty big. You know, it's big. It's pretty big. Yeah, but definitely not a blimp. No, correct. <laughs> inflatable object. It's, a blimp is like an airship, isn't it? Yes, yeah. The, yeah. Okay. Exactly. With like an engine. Yeah. How much are we reading into France being... <laughs> you can just imagine my confusion. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. How much are we reading into France being terrible against... Uh, much improved Italy, by the way. But I, I just discount it. I, I just don't think it's... I just don't think they were bothered against an Italian side they were always going to beat. 
It's hard. They won yeah, every, it, every I, single match last year. I suppose it's the same. I think you have to look into little things, like so, like certain, like they're uh, indiscipline and. But like I feel like they can sort that out as well. A lot of that was like a lot of that was um, over competing for the ball. I think Sean Edwards was talking later on about trusting their defense a little bit more. And it's like they'll just sort that over the course of the week, you know. I thought Italy were great though. I was talking like we were talking about that last week in in advance of you know Italy have shown that they have this in them a lot, and they could have won that game. Like they're obviously not as you know what I mean. You yeah. can't take France's performance and relate it to what's going to happen next week. But from Italy's point of view, it feels like they'll be competitive in three of the games. I would say you know, and hopefully they might win one or two of them. And if if Italy are good on a regular basis like this in the Six Nations, and it's a young team, then it becomes a far more interesting tournament. This sort of like, well, when's the Italy game? Oh, it's in the middle of Ireland, basically have four weeks off. Yeah. That disappears pretty quickly. Know. It's a much more interesting because of it. Two games a weekend really is what yeah. we had previously. So it And they're a very exciting team to watch. Like they were yeah. they were uh throwing the ball around, kicking the ball on the volley. And this like Ange Capuozzo has just it's stolen everybody's hearts, really. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. He's naive, unfortunately, still at times. But maybe that's what they have to do. They have to try things and uh, you know, but there's definitely seemingly a bit, of a bit of naivety. I almost don't want them to lose it, though. Yeah. Uh, so, final uh, story or two. We have World Cup 2030 bid in. Yeah, another one. South American Confederation Conmebol has launched its bid to host the 2030 World Cup. For the centenary edition, they want to see the tournament return to its original home of Uruguay, along with Argentina, Chile and Paraguay. Argentina President Alberto Fernandez, meanwhile, says he wants Bolivia to also be part of the bid. Saudi Arabia is believed to be lining up a joint bid with Egypt and Greece. Spain and Portugal have already vowed to tack on Ukraine to their own proposal. Who are the early favourites for this? Saudis. Is that just based purely on assumptions? The ominous vibe of Mohammed bin Salman I, sitting next to Gianni Infantino at the World Cup. I, th- I think I think I, I think there's been backroom stuff going on in, as regards talks and discussions and trying to uh, bring that about. I, it would be like the, the the thing to do, and obviously again, this is modern football and it's not going to happen. Therefore, is to bring, like to have it in Uruguay for the centenary edition to have the stadium in Montevideo hosts the final or the opening game or however they want to parse it out. But it won't be. It'll be like it'll be back in uh, it'll be back in the Middle East, uh, and they'll you know spread it out to Egypt and Greece and say what a brilliant proposal that is. But that'd be spectacularly grim if that happens. Very soon after yeah. Qatar. It'll another be very soon after winter, Qatar. Like even for them to justify it. it. Like yeah, unless they do what they do. I don't know if this is a, a an option or not. Maybe it's not. But uh, unless they do what they did for 2018, 2022 and just do a double announcement. Um, I don't. Th- I think that was on the cards beforehand. It wasn't like a big surprise they did it that day. So yeah. obviously that's not a, that. That won't be what they do. But I would. I'd be he'd be grimmed out by it. But I also. I just think it's so soon after Qatar. It would be just so boldly, blatantly political to say we're just sending it back to the Middle East uh, eight years later. You know, mm. seven and a half years later. Fellas, we're out of time. Richie, thank you very much. Nice and Michael, thank you. Thanks, Joe. Welcome back.